0: That's what we do. That's good. Praise the Lord. Raise a roof so people can get healed. Amen. That's what we're doing here tonight. So, right now, we're going to turn the service to uh, Jeff Thompson. Come right on, brother. Make yourself at home because you are home.
1: Amen.
0: We're going to do some things a little differently tonight, and I hope that it's as much a blessing for you as I anticipate it will be a blessing for me. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us, starting right now, as if he hadn't been here. But if he was kind of being reluctant and hanging out in the hall, we want to invite him in to the inner sanctum. And teach us tonight, teach us about who He is, and who the Son of God is, who Jesus is, who God the Father is. Those of you who have your swords with you, if you'll open to Mark 1, the 15th verse, actually we'll start with 14, and if you don't have your swords, I forgive you on Wednesdays. And you know, Mark is one of the shortest gospels, Is the shortest gospel, and Mark kind of gets right to it. He doesn't let anything, no moss grows under his feet. And Mark 1:14 says this: After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Now, this is in red. Okay, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent. And believe the good news. Now, I know that we've heard a lot about repent. And we've heard, well, that's when you're going this way and you repent and you turn and go this way. And I'm here to tell you that there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. And there's more to what Jesus said in that sentence. That's all one sentence repent and believe the good news. Repent in the Greek means change your way of thinking doesn't have to do with acting it has to do with thinking change your way of thinking so what jesus said was the time is near the kingdom of god the time is now the kingdom of god is near change your way of thinking and believe the good news well i'm going to be bringing you some good news tonight and i'm going to be asking you to change your way of thinking now, I noticed all the rustling of, of pages when I asked you to turn to uh, Mark 1, and now I'm going to ask you to turn over into John. And in the Gospel of John, there is a story that kind of gets lost. It's between the woman at the well, and then in the fifth chapter, the man healed at the pool of Bethesda. And in between those two, there's a, there's a story that's very important, and we almost never hear about it in church, and so I want to tell you about that. This is Jesus heals the official's son. Once, now Jesus has turned the water into wine in Cana, and he's gone off and done some other things, and now he comes back to Cana in Galilee. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Now, a royal official was likely an official in Herod's palace. Okay? We're not talking about a religious person. We're not talking about someone who was Jewish. And we're talking about a heathen, kind of like us. There was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Jesus said, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. It's kind of a rebuke, isn't it? He's putting him down. And the royal official would not be put down. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Do you have the picture? I've been rebuked, but you have to come, Jesus, because my child is near death. And I believe if you will come, he won't die. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. Now, when we read it, that sounds like good news, but I think if you were the royal official, you wouldn't think that was such good news. Here you've been rebuked, And Jesus says, just get on out of here. Your son's going to live. And let me tell you, it takes a lot of faith to walk away from Jesus trusting that your son will live simply because he said so. Simply because he said so. And then John goes on and says this, The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man took Jesus at his word, and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live, so he and all his household believed. The thing I want you to understand tonight is this is a man who took Jesus at his word. And my question to you tonight is, are you ready to take Jesus at his word? Even if he says, go off and do something that doesn't make any sense to you. Even if he says, you've not done this before, you've not experienced my grace before in this manner, but I'm telling you, this is the way it is. The royal official took Jesus at his word. Now, we're going to get into some more here, but I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. At the end of some testimonies, we're going to pray for people, pray for everybody who wants to be prayed for. And those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to start asking now, God the Father, what are you doing? What are you doing tonight? Who are you healing? What conditions are you healing? What are you about in this service? And just keep asking him. Just keep asking him. Just keep asking him. If you don't hear anything, that's okay. But if you hear something, I'm going to want to hear about that later on. Okay? It's a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to just simply tune part of your brain to what is the Father doing. Okay? About two years ago, Nancy and I embarked on a journey (laughs) that's been wild and crazy. And what we started to do was we started to take Jesus at his word. We started to believe all of those big promises in the Bible and say, This is true because Jesus said so. I don't want to talk about Paul. I don't want to talk about John. I want to talk about what Jesus said. Okay? And I want to know that whether or not we can take Jesus at his word. We have, and it's changed our life. It's changed our life. And I'm going to tell you things about what we have seen, and you're going to hear some testimonies tonight. And it's crucial that you not misunderstand. This is not about Jeff and Nancy. Jeff and Nancy can do absolutely nothing. Okay? This is not the Jeff and Nancy show. This is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's only about Jesus. Okay? One of the first things that we heard a couple of years ago was someone read to us 1 John 3, eight. And I know that I had, had heard that many times. And yet when I heard it two years ago, I thought, Wow, <laughs> that's been in the Bible all along. Well, let's, let's look at that. 1 John 3, 8 says, He that he who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. This is the same apostle who wrote Revelation of Jesus. Okay? I'm going to assume that he knew what he was talking about. And he said in the King James, he says it this way, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. Is this on... Okay, I I thought maybe you hadn't heard me on that. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. To destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. And I thought, well, I'd like to know more about that. So I looked around a little bit, and I wondered, was he successful? Was he successful? And I looked in John 4. And this is, this is at the end of him dealing with the woman at the well. And the disciples come back from town. They've been down to Seven Eleven, picked up all their gummy bears and all that stuff. And they come back, and Jesus isn't hungry. And they say to him, well, has somebody, saying to each other, has somebody given him food? Rabbi, has someone given you food? And Jesus has this to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Oh, that's easy. My my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Are you sure this is on? (laughs) My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He came to destroy the devil, destroy the works of the devil, and his food was to do God's will and to finish his work. John 17, 4 says, Jesus is talking to the Father, and he says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me. By completing the work you gave me. Jesus says, look, the kingdom is near. The time is now. Change the way you're thinking and believe the good news. And the good news is that Jesus, the Son of God, was manifested for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. His food was to complete that task, and he tells his father, and you know you don't lie to your dad, especially if he's God, okay? And he tells his dad, I've done it. For your glory, I've done it, and I have completed the work you gave me to do. And then in John 19... Thirty, It says, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Do you understand that that was a voluntary act on his part? He could have at that point said, ah, enough of this dying stuff. (laughs) I'm healing myself. I'm coming down from the cross. Angels, let's go. Here we go. And instead, he said, it's finished. I have, by what I have done, destroyed the works of the devil, and it's finished. And so I'm out of here for a while, for a while. Okay, so who is this guy? Who is, who is this Jesus that we're talking about? And if you're going to be active in praying for healing if you're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, those sorts of things, you need to understand, I think, the source of Jesus' power. Do you, Ask yourself, did he heal because he was God? Or did he heal because he was a man in right relationship with the Father? And I have always believed that, well, sure, Jesus could do that. He's God. That's one of our our core beliefs. He can can heal anybody because he's God. That's not what Jesus said. And I'm here tonight to take him at his word. Fifth chapter of John, after he's healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, they're talking to him and saying, Well, what 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 are you doing healing somebody on the Sabbath? That's not legal. That's not right. Seems like if you're a great religious leader, you wouldn't be doing that. And Jesus says this Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. It's a good start. Tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Oh, man, did that ring a bell for me. Jesus, and I'm taking him at his word, Jesus says, I can't do it. I, the man, Jesus, I can't heal anybody. I can do nothing by myself. All I can do is what I see the Father doing. Wow. Well, remember, that's what I asked you to be asking God, tonight, is what are you doing? What are you doing? In the 12th chapter of John, Jesus says this, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So if we're going to take Jesus at his word, he can do Only what he sees the Father doing, he says only what he hears the Father saying. Now, with that in mind, how do you suppose Jesus prayed? When he went up the mountain to pray, do you suppose he was up there going, Oh, Father God, I am so sorry for all those things I did today that were wrong. And please give me the ability to clean up my act. Make me a better man. Make me more humble. Make me more uh, willing to do. No, Jesus didn't sin. He did all of those things that we pray about. Jesus never prayed about because he didn't have the disease that we have. Okay, we're sick with sin. He was not. But what do you suppose Jesus was praying about? The theologians are fairly agreed that Jesus set aside a lot of his prerogatives as God when he came as man. Okay? Example, he was not omnipresent. He wasn't in Jerusalem and Samaria on the same, at the same time. He was not omniscient. You'll see in, in the gospel several times that Jesus was astonished. Jesus was astounded at the faith of some that he encountered. He was surprised. If you're omniscient, you're not surprised. Okay? So he has set aside doing things as God while he was here. And he only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father saying. Well, do we know what the Father said to him? Sure we do. Sure we do. Isaiah 61 tells us exactly what the Father was saying to Jesus, and he read it to the synagogue in Galilee when he came back from the desert. And it says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, on Jesus. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Pretty good start. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. How many is that? All. Comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The Father told Jesus, this is what I want you to do. I'm anointing you to preach the good news to the poor. I'm sending you with this message. I'm sending you with this purpose. I'm sending you with this job. Get with it. Okay? Does that have anything to do with us? You bet. <laughs> you bet. Peter in Acts went to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew. He was a believing Gentile. And Peter had a little fight with God about whether or not he was going to go, and God showed him a vision, and so he went. And when he got to Cornelius' house, he started talking to them about Jesus. And he said this, You know the message God has sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Something happened after John baptized Jesus. And it's important. It's important that we recognize that there was a paradigm shift after Jesus was baptized by John. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I like that. I could do that if I was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power and I stand as a man in right relationship to my Father because of what Jesus did, then i 'm equipped like he was, and so what did he do? He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. You know there's some funny things about the english language they' they're just some sometimes don't sound like don't don't resemble what the original Greek was in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament. And the word power there is dunamis power. (laughs) Dunamis power means a miracle itself. Miraculous power. Ability, abundance, meaning. Worker of miracles. Power, strength, violence, mighty, wonderful work. He didn't go around strong. He went around filled with dunamis, power. He could do what nobody else could do because God was with him. And then the, the, just the strangest thing is it says, in how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What the Greek says is, and he went around doing good, and he went around doing good, says it twice. Healing all who are under the power of the devil. He went around, went around, doing good, doing good, healing all. Okay? Well, apparently he did not stay in his office. Okay? He had a little house in Capernaum and he didn't have a, a home office there that he was deducting through the IRS or anything like that. he got out where we were. He went where the sinners were. Because that's what God was doing. That's what God the Father was doing. So he went around, went around. And then he did good. Now, it doesn't say he went around being good. And that's, that's our focus, isn't it? That's our focus. The church would have us focus on being good. Clean up your act. You don't have to have a clean act before you come to Jesus. But after that, we've got a job for you. Okay? That's not what Jesus was doing after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good. So I thought to myself, well, what is doing good? What does that mean? And the Greek, once again, helps us with that. And this blew me away. This blew me away. Doing good is a Greek word that I can't begin to to pronounce. But it means to be philanthropic. Anybody know what that is? That's Bill Gates. Bill Gates is taking what he has and giving it to those who need it. Okay? So Jesus went around and went around being philanthropic, taking all that he had and giving it away. And let me tell you, I believe that that it is true that unless you give it away, you won't get more. When God gives you something, He gives it to you to give to somebody else. If He gives you a gift of the Holy Spirit, He gives it to you to give to somebody else. Okay, And that includes healing. While we're there, I'm almost done. While we're there, I want you to think about there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Which of those can you do without the Holy Spirit? So let's get out of this idea that if I have the gift of healing, that I'm going to feel different. That I'm going to have some power in me. That I can do something. It doesn't work that way. I can't more do that than I can pray in tongues. Okay? If the Spirit doesn't pray, nothing coming out. Okay? Faith, healing, miracles tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning spirits. All of those things require the Holy Spirit. Jesus never gives us a task that we can do. Isn't that awesome? He never gives us a task that that we can do. Why? Because He wants us to need Him. If you you can do your ministry, it's your ministry. Quit it. Give it up. If If you are going to do what God wants you to do, you're going to be doing something that you can't do. And let me tell you, part of that's healing. Part of that's healing. Now, part of the good news is that there is a gift of healing. Part of the bad news is we can't do it ourselves. Okay, And just to prove to you that Jesus couldn't do it himself either, You know who Luke was. Luke was the great, was a physician, all right? So when Luke talked about healing, you're getting the doctor's perspective. This is how he did it. This is is medicine 101. This is how he did it. Luke 5, 17 says, One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. This is just before the men come and lower the guy down through the roof. Okay? And Luke says this, And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal. How did Jesus do it? The power of the Lord was present for him to heal. If the power of the Lord hadn't been there, I'll just bet you that Jesus wouldn't have been doing any healing. Because he would have known that's not what the Father's doing. Don't you know that Jesus had to figure out every day, where do I go? Because the Father is healing somewhere. And if I'm not there, I don't get to participate. And in his time, if I'm not there, it isn't going to happen. Okay? So our job is to find out what it is that the Father is doing so that when the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick, we'll know. We'll be there. We'll say it. Jesus sent out the twelve in an interesting way. In Luke nine, he says, "When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority. Dunamis and Exusia. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, listen to me. It doesn't say to pray for the sick. It says to heal the sick. So your job, fellas, all 12 of you, including Jesus, by the way, is to go out and heal the sick. And I'm giving you the authority you need, and I'm giving you the power you need to get that done. Okay? He gives us that at baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he had not yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit had not yet been given. He he could have, but he didn't baptize in the Holy Spirit. He commissioned them for a period of time and gave them power and authority to heal the sick. Matthew 10 says he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits to heal every disease and sickness. Matthew 10, 7 says, and this is Jesus speaking, as you go, as you go, Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Don't pray for the sick. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And on the the first day of the week after Jesus had risen, he appeared to the disciples through the locked doors and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I'm sending you anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power to preach the good news to the poor. I'm sending you to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm sending you with all of these messages proclaim freedom to the captives. I'm sending you to do that. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, you have authority to ask me. I've given it to you. You have the power, and the power is the Holy Spirit... And let me tell you, it just almost knocked me down in the shower two years ago when I realized that the Holy Spirit that lives in me because of salvation, the Holy Spirit who baptized me at baptism of the Holy Spirit, is the same Holy Spirit as Jesus relied upon. Okay? I didn't get Holy Spirit, Junior. Neither did you. You know, we don't say, hey, Junior, come on, let's, let's do something here, all right? And don't, can't you see how limiting it is to say, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can pray in tongues. How about heal the sick? How about discern spirits? Well, I didn't get that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you have all the power of God because you've got God himself. Living in you. He's not limited. Jesus limited himself. The Holy Spirit's not limited. And it's the same guy. It's the same guy. Okay. We're going to have some testimonies. Um, It's been lots of fun to pray for people in in the congregation and other places. Um, One of the things that we have seen is that when in Revelation it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy that means something I didn't know what it was for a long time not sure I understand it yet but what I do know is when you hear the testimony of what Jesus has done and is doing it creates an atmosphere in which he will do it again and so we give testimonies on Sunday night of what has been done in anticipation that now he's going to do it again Okay. and let's talk about some of those one of the early things that that happened A couple of years ago, as we were driving by Linda Durant's house, and she was outside, and and we went to talk to her, and just kind of started having a little dialogue with her about her life, and things of that sort, and I want Linda to tell you how God healed her.
2: Wow. Is this on?
3: It's green?
0: Well, it's green. Speak loud. All
2: right. I can't do this, so just a second. (laughs) Um, I was out in my front yard, and I had a business that was in some ways failing, and uh, in some ways failing. Um, And they came upon my, they were coming in from a movie, and instead of turning left to go home, Jeff just went right, and he comes by my home my cousin and i were out in my flower flower beds trying to figure out what to do and and um, they pull up and so they start talking about their night before and how nancy whom i'm a massage therapist and i've worked on her several times and how her hands and Jeff's back had been healed the night before and I kept thinking, Well that's wonderful and and you know, we praised God and we were we were just it, it was awesome the conversation and they just kept talking and I kept thinking, Okay, well it's Time's hot it's hot out here and I kept thinking, Well, they'll go home <laughs> and they didn't. And so finally I said, well, I don't have anything to drink except water. Do y'all want to come in? And Jeff jumped on it. He said, of course we do. So we go in we sit down. And, you know, it just started. Um, the, The questions started and I kept thinking, why are they asking all of this? You know, and I'm not opening up in the beginning, but in the end, we not only did we pray and 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 find healing for my, my situation and my business. But more importantly, we healed my soul. You know, they've led me to a very close walk with Jesus. And that's not they. They brought me to the pathway that I've always known. And the next thing I know, you know, this arm right here, I can hardly lift tonight. And we'll be working on that one. But the other one, this arm over here, was in that shape. I could not lift it. I left it close to my body, and um, I had no movement whatsoever. I could not. I couldn't work on my people. I'd go home every night and I would cry and I'd think, Lord Jesus, how am I going to continue this? And you know, one of the reasons we prayed that night and. Um, I, I I knew that I needed to step out in faith, and I knew that i I knew that Jesus could heal, but heal me i'm not worthy of being healed i'm not I don't walk the, the walk like he expects us to, and you know I thought, yes, yes, Jesus, I want to be healed, but I really did not expect to be healed because i didn't think I was worthy, but you know everyone in this room All you have to do is ask and step out in faith. And I'm telling you what, he's going to heal you. He's going to heal you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, you know, I I cannot. It was quite funny. We were sitting in a restaurant a couple of days later, and I said, you know, I can't wait. I I can't wait till till my arm gets healed. Oh, my (laughs) goodness, right there in that restaurant, I know about every table in there, you know, knew that I had been healed. But that's just the way it happened. And thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you. One of the things that that we're finding is that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And Linda had been to Mexico, and her girls knew that arm wasn't working. And then they saw her at work the next day, and they're going, Mother, what happened? And she said, well, Jesus healed me. So about maybe a month later, Relin is... uh, no, Rochelle has nearly broken her ankle, and she's on crutches. She can't put any weight on her foot. And Linda came to my house for a meeting, and I said, well, we got to go upstairs because we have guests here. And so we went upstairs, and here's poor Rochelle crutching her way upstairs. She can't put any weight on her foot at all. And we got up there, and we had our little business meeting. And then Linda says, well, Rochelle, do you believe that Jesus can heal your ankle? And she said, "Why well, he can. And they said, no, but do you believe that he will? Well, I don't know about that. Long story short, we prayed for Michelle two times because she was a little slow the first time. After the second time, I said, okay, just walk across the room and see what happens. And she walked across the room and she started laughing. I said, what are you laughing about? She says, it doesn't hurt she walked down 20 stairs. She walked out to the car, went to the doctor the next day and said, Doc, what, I've, what about my ankle? And he said, well, it's perfect. Just don't run any marathons. So now there's two. Okay. This is Lynn Hathaway. I'm with you. I'm with you. Linda's other dog. What happened to you, girl?
3: Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, I was on my way to Mom's house to do baking for for Christmas. Ended up having a wreck and hitting the wall of the bridge. And the car lifted up, the rear end of it, and I, I knew I was going over the wall. And all of a sudden, it sat down and it just started spinning. Ended up over in the passenger seat, no headlights, no no, no nothing, nobody's coming, so I finally get down the road and get to mom's house anyway, and the next morning, or next morning, I'm laying out in front of my car, Nancy and Jeff,
0: in the street, she's lying in the street, (laughs) go ahead,
3: they just pull up, and they're like, what are you doing, I said, well, I wrecked my car, they're like you're hurt, and I'm like, well, yeah, a little bit. I'm, you know, it's hard to walk. Him and Nancy came in the house, and they uh, put their hands on me, and all of a sudden, I felt this trembling, like I'd never felt before. And all I can say is God was doing it, and I got a healing.
1: Thank you. And those
0: those have been orthopedic bones and that sort of thing. God's in the healing business, and business is good. Jill, come on up here. God is every bit as able and willing to heal your emotions as He is your body.
4: Um, One of the most important relationships in my life was tormenting me since I was very, very young. And... A couple of months ago, a situation, an event uh, happened that really rocked the boat with that relationship, and uh, it got to the point where I was just tired of having fear and being criticized and being judged and feeling like there was nothing I could do to please this person. It affected my marriage, and one Sunday I came up and needed prayer, wanted prayer, couldn't I just couldn't stand it anymore and uh, I got prayer and I got some some counseling and I had to talk through some things and I had an opportunity to go to that person and be with them with peace and boldness and courage and the fear is gone And I don't have to please because I belong to Jesus. (laughs) And He made me who I am. And He set me free. I'm almost 40 years old, so being all my life with that, I can't tell you how refreshing and renewing that feels. So, praise God.
0: Thank you. You know, it it has Mm -hmm. been my pleasure probably the one that's most fun for me is when somebody just an old curmudgeon didn't believe in healing matter of fact it made him mad to even talk about it and to have him meet and greet the Lord God Almighty oh let me tell you (laughs) the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy come on up here old man What I want you to tell about is what you saw, what happened to you, and then what you did.
1: Well, first of all, Jeff's right. I was a bad guy, and I really, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think God was really who I thought he was, you know. As a matter of fact, I was really PO'd at him, because a lot of things that had happened. And over the few last few years my wife, I, I, I saw what was happening to her, and I thought, man, I want some of that. But I didn't believe I wanted to see it. I met this knothead, and he just really badmouthed me. And he was right, of course. He said, what are you mad for? I'm not mad, you know. And, and I didn't think I was, but everybody else kept saying, What's wrong with you, Art? I said, nothing. Well, you're mad. I'm not mad. You know, louder and louder. So after Nancy and and Jeff and Jenny, and we were sitting right back over here, and there was a little girl walking down here on crutches. And I saw Nancy and and Jeff and a couple of the others, and I thought, "Uh, something's going on. I've been wanting to see a miracle. Never seen a miracle. Didn't believe in him. Oh, I, you know, God could do it, but kind of like I still want to see a tornado, you know? So I'm looking down there and I, I walked a little closer so I could find out what was going on. And this little girl was talking about her, her foot was hurting, her ankle was hurting, and, and several of the people said, Well, I know. Jeff said, was, just get up and walk. She said, well, What do you mean? Just get up and walk. So. They had anointed her with, with oil. And the little girl got up and walked. She walked out there and she said, Well, that's just weird. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, I think I just saw a miracle. Then <laughs> she just sat back down and she had problems with uh, her thigh, her knee. And I think Janice and a couple of the others were there and Claire. And... The little girl got healed from this whatever it was in her knee. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. So three weeks later, I didn't believe that that happened. Jeff and Nancy and Jenny had to tell me, yeah, I did. You sat right there and watched it. And then I saw a couple other things. Should I talk about them? Well, one thing that, that really impressed me, we went to uh, New Mexico, first of all. Two years ago, when I went up 5,250 feet in Denver, I couldn't breathe, I like crapped out. I had to have oxygen. And so we're gonna go to, to uh, uh And as we're going, Jenny and I were going with Jeff and Nancy, and Nancy said, it's 7,500 feet up there. And I thought, oh, man. What am I? You know, I could tell we were going up, and I kind of panicked. I did more than anybody else up there. I could climb stairs. I didn't have to have oxygen. I could breathe. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, let's. That was either the second or the third one. And then we went to his friend's house, and you'll get to see him in a minute. And I saw another miracle. I saw a man just take his brace off and put it down and get up and walk without the brace. And the next day, he said he slept all night, which he hadn't done in a long time, without the brace. And since then, I've seen two or three more, and I've been a part of them, which is... Boy, has it changed my life. My wife likes to call me Walter. There's an old boy that's, he's a puppet. What's the guy's name? Jeff Dunn. Dunn. Funny, funny comedian. Ventriloquist. Well, he's got this grump, and his name's Walter. And a lot of people call me Walter because I've been (laughs) so grumpy all my life, you know? But I'm fooling him. It's been a great ride for me, and it's changed my life. Um, I just hope the rest of you have the same thing happen to you. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's, it, it's, hard, it's hard to pray for healing for your family. It's hard to pray for healing for your friends, because your reputation gets in the way. You go, oh, I don't know about this. Well when Art and Jenny went with us to we stayed with friends good friends and called them the day before and said hey we're coming to your house <laughs> we weren't invited we're coming to your house and the guy said well, "And I guess uh, Connie said to me well you don't know about Claude Claude was in another automobile accident and broke his back and he needs healing uh, no problem we'll be there tomorrow Claude come on up here this guy, this guy, just to show you how amazing this is—he's
5: a Baptist preacher. Well, now you know. What do you imagine that the the man who had been paralyzed, who was brought to that roof that needed to be raised, did when he went home? I can imagine he walked through the street holding his his bed up. For all to see, holding his bed up, Jesus said to him, get up and walk. One translation says, get up and go to your house. My life is a wreck. I mean, literally. In 2001, I was in a wreck that should have taken my life. And one of the results of that wreck was, is I had a metal bar put in my right arm, which is okay, but I had a metal plate and eight screws put in my right ankle, and that wasn't okay, because I couldn't bend it like before, I couldn't walk like before, I couldn't run like before. And that was my first experience with Jeff and Nancy as they prayed for healing and some friends gathered there prayed for healing. The doctor had told me in 2002 that I probably ought to get my ankle fused because the pain would be so severe and eventually it would just lock on itself. So go ahead and get it fused. I said, no, I don't need that. But When I went to Jeff's house... And watched him as they prayed for other people, including my wife. I sat on an ottoman and tried to flex that ankle, and it just wouldn't move. I compared it to the other one, and it had just not the the range of motion. And Jeff said, would you like for us to pray for you? And I said, sure. And after a few moments of prayer with Jeff and Nancy and some of his friends, some who are here, that ankle began to move. And all of a sudden, I had the same flexation in that ankle, my right ankle, as I did in my left. And I praise God for that. The next morning, Jeff couldn't find me. And when I showed back up at his door, he said, where'd you go? I said, I was taking my new ankle out for a test. <laughs> then in November the 6th, 2009, traveling down the interstate in stop and stopping grow traffic, which means you go 60 miles an hour and then you stop and then you go another 60 miles an hour and you stop and that was working okay for the line of cars I was in except for the guy behind me who didn't (laughs) stop and we had a car plow into us estimated going 40 to 45 miles an hour and there were several acts and pains and hurts and they took me to the hospital in an ambulance while there they did all the x-rays I mean I I was an x-ray for about three or four hours They took me back after they finished those. One of those x-rays showed that I had a broken back. Vertebrates in my back were broken. and You could see the crack even on the x-ray. And they said, you need to get a brace and you're going to have to be in it for a while. Well, I actually walked out of the hospital, but within a couple of days, I could not move. The pain was so severe that it was driving me crazy. And I got the brace. I walked in it. I ate in it I drove in it Anytime I drove a car That brace went on I even slept in that brace The pain in my right leg Was so severe That the doctor had to Give me a different pain medication Just to make it bearable And Frankly I was hurting And I was miserable And I was a little bit mad Jeff and Nancy And their friends came to see us Hi y'all And uh they came with a purpose to pray for them. And sure enough, they did. They prayed that God would heal my back, would take my pain away to His glory. I took my brace off. As you see, the picture of the chair is where I would sit. That was about, the not the full extent, pretty close to the extent of my activities. I took my brace off and I laid it there beside the chair. The next morning, I got up, I had to go to therapy, and I'll tell you, I grabbed that brace. Because I knew one of the things they were going to do was put me on a treadmill that day. And I just wanted to be safe. I got on that treadmill, and after I was halfway through, I took the brace. Off, and I came back, and I laid it by that chair. And after a few days, my wife said, would you get your brace out of this house? <laughs> it was Jeff who said to me, you didn't wear your brace today. And I didn't even realize I didn't wear my brace because I didn't hurt. I wasn't in pain, And so I took that brace and I put it in the closet because I wasn't going to need it. Two passages that come to mind. One is one that's on your praise team shirt about the paralytic who was brought to Jesus.